I don't know if you all realize this, but um, today is actually a pretty big day uh, in the history of our family, the Missio community. You guys know what today is? Anybody? Sunday. Hey, what else did I hear? Twelfth birthday-ish, yeah? Fall, fall launch day, okay, yeah. Here, I don't know if you all realize this, but here's what happened. In the fall of 2019, uh, we began the process of our Coming Home Vision campaign. We had spent a few years as a leadership team praying about it and really feeling like God was leading us to seek out uh, a place that we could call home, a place that would be our own. And so fall of 2019, we started that process. And then the beginning of uh, 2020, um, you guys remember that year, 2020? Is that Beginning of January 2020, we started fasting, we, we started praying, uh, and then we started giving together. And then what happened? Then the March, the, the pandemic hits, right? In terms of like really hitting, touching ground here for us. But in the midst of that, we still moved forward. Uh, we moved forward by faith, with wisdom, to continue to see what God was doing, to see what he was up to uh, in terms of where he'd have us be. Uh, and he introduced me to a relationship here. I started doing some office space here. Um, we built relationship here. And then um, we started doing some gatherings here in person uh, once we felt it was wise and safe to do that. And last year, December uh, of 2021, you guys, we signed on the dotted line to take ownership of this place. And so as we gather together this morning, I don't know if you realize this or not, but this is the first fall launch in the history of Missio community that we're doing a fall launch in our very own space. And honestly, I remember standing in front of you guys a number of times throughout the, the history and the years thinking, yeah, we're going to start praying. We believe God's calling us to something. I remember the year that we moved and I had to stand up in front of you and say, we're moving to a new place. We were moving out of Riki because we had outgrown it. And I thought that would be maybe the, the time when I'd be able to say, we're moving into something. And we had to say, we're moving to another school, <laughs> moving to Hayhurst. Not that that was bad, but it was like, we still had to pack and unpack and do all that stuff. And we were there for, and then it was, hey, we're moving out of there to our homes. I'm going to be teaching to you from my basement, and you're going to be sitting in your living room. We did that for like two years. This is the very first time, you guys, that we are launching in the fall a new season of ministry, and we're in a place that we can call home. And I look back on it, and it's not a story. It's not the way I would have written the story, right? But honestly, as I look back on it, I would not now at this point have written it any different. Because throughout the last few years, as God has led us to seek out a place that we can call home, and as we entered into our coming home vision campaign, and as we weathered the storms of the pandemic in the last few years and everything that came with that, you guys, God has been so, so, so faithful. God has been so good. And we as a community have been faithful as well. And so I want, I want to celebrate that this morning. You know, as I've stepped back in from sabbatical, um, one of the things I've tried to do is, is step back in as, as a listener, step back in somewhat as a learner. You know, I was gone for three months and uh, again, I believe God, God worked here. God was doing things because it's not about me, but it's, it's about God's presence in the midst of us as a people that he's called to himself. And so I've tried to step back in and just to listen. So I've had meetings with different people and with leadership and board and, and all the different places and just trying to learn and listen. God, God, what have you been doing? What are you up to? What are you leading us to next? And a few times in the last two weeks as I've been back, I've intentionally come and, and sat in here, kind of snuck in here at different times when there wasn't construction noise and when there was nobody else here, um, just came and, and, and tried to listen and sit with the Lord and go, Lord, what, what, are you, what are you doing? What do you have? Normally, that's something I do throughout the summer leading into a fall. This summer, I was charged with being unplugged, so I did that. So I, I just sat the last couple of weeks and spent time. And so this morning, 
Um, what I want to do is just share with you what I perceive uh, God is calling us to, kind of to prioritize this fall as we step back in together and launch for the first time uh, a year ahead of us or a season of ministry where we are actually owners and stewards of, of a place that God entrusted to us, okay? So I'm going to give you just the roadmap of this morning a little bit. I'm going to share with you uh, for normal kind of 25, 30 minutes that we normally do, um, share some vision, share a little bit out of scripture, uh, give us some invitations, some directives, and then uh, we'll worship in response to that. And then after that, um, I'm going to come back up, and instead of doing normal community life, I'm going to spend that normal community life time, maybe about 10 minutes, to kind of give us a little uh, like budget overview update, different things like that. I know there's questions with that because of the building and construction and all of that, but I want to talk about in this first like 25, 30 minutes, kind of again, vision, high level things scripturally, and then on the back end of today's gathering, about 10 minutes to talk more practical budgets and different things. Does that make sense? And then after that, we're going to go downstairs and we're going to have a wonderful meal together and just engage and kind of celebrate and have some fun. Does that sound good? You guys all on board with that? If that sounds offensive, you can go and leave now with no judgment, whatever, but if that sounds good, I'm so glad you're here this morning. Hey, cool, let's get on. And those of you at home at Zoom, welcome. And if there's any guests in the room, uh, good morning, my name is Dominic, and I have the privilege of leading this community and following Jesus, and I'm so glad you're here, and I hope that I get to shake your hand and, and meet you at some point today. If you're in the room, if you're on Zoom, someday in the future, I hope to, hope to get to meet you. So here's, here's the first thing. As I sat and I just said, Lord, what, what would you give us as a directive or a reminder this fall? Uh, what's your heart for us? This was the first kind of thing that just kind of came to mind for me and just kind of formulated my mind as I just started scratching down some notes, and it was this. I believe that God wants us to remember as we launch this fall that the body of Christ us as a church, we exist to be the embodiment of God's presence in the world, okay? The body of Christ exists to be the embodiment of God's presence in the world, okay? And now as I say that, when I say the body of Christ, what I want you to think of and understand and realize is that I believe that God is saying that to us as a community as a whole, but also to each of us individually as individual members of the body of Christ, that each of you individually, we, because you are a child of God, saved by grace through faith, embodied and empowered by and filled with and dwelled by Holy Spirit, wherever you are, you are to be and you are the embodiment of God's presence in the world. And any time that we come together collectively, whether that's in this space or in our homes around the city or serving, no matter where we are, we are coming together as the body of Christ to be the embodiment of God's presence in that space, wherever he has called us to be. And I think that's really important that we remember that. And I think it's very intentional that God would bring that to mind and call me to want to wanna speak that to us. Because, you know, we've, we've spent a lot of time time, as I just talked about a little bit, and energy and resources, a lot has gone into to this building, this process of getting here. And yet, Missio, this building does not define us as the body of Christ. Having a building doesn't mean we've made it. Having a building and a space to call home doesn't mean we're now a church. We've been a church from, from 2009, 2010, when there was a small group of eight of us that began coming together to pray and to work together out of obedience. That, that was a body of Christ. It was eight people, but it was still a body of Christ. You tracking with me? God was doing something. God had formed and shaped Missio then at that point with eight people that were called to be the embodiment of his presence in the world like then. And all throughout this journey, we've been in different spaces, different places, and again, now we've landed home, and God has entrusted us with this space. 
We are not to be stewards of this space. But this space doesn't necessarily define or change who we are. As we gather here, we still have the same mandate on our, on our, our life together. That we are called to be the embodiment of God's presence in the world. And this space, I believe, is just like a, a launching pad, if you will. It's a home, right? It's a place to come together, to be encouraged, to be equipped, to be poured into, and to be sent out from here to live lives of mission and service to the world so that they see the reality of the presence of God in this world. That was the first thing that I feel like God wanted us to talk about. The second thing is this. Um, if you know my heart, it's always, okay, God, that's beautiful. I understand that. That sounds great. But my heart is always scripturally, Lord. And the last time we got to speak to me is it's, it's a scripture in my head or something like that. And so I just kind of sat in here doing that too, going, Lord, scripturally, where would you want us to launch from this fall? And I could not turn away from a certain section and portion of, of the Sermon on the Mount. God just kept drawing my heart back to the Sermon on the Mount. If you're familiar with Scripture, in, in the Gospel of Matthew, um, chapters 5 through 7 is what, what's titled the Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew's recording of the very first teachings of Jesus in his Gospel. And I want to give you a, a simple overview of the beginning of Matthew so that I can speak to just a, a certain scripture and have it within the right context and everything. Um, but Matthew's gospel, basically, it starts right with that big genealogy, right? And then it goes uh, to the, the epiphany and the visitation and all these things. and talks about John the Baptist. Basically, Matthew 1 to 3, Matthew is showing us that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament promise of, of, of Messiah. Matthew's heart and his job, he feels called to, is to really connect the Messiah, Christ, to the history of, of God's people. And so he does that, again, painting the picture that he's the Messiah from the line of David, that he is the son of Abraham, meaning he's to continue the role of God's people and the family of God to be a blessing to this earth. And then also he connects him, uh, Christ to the reality that, that he's the new and greater Moses. Like he's, he's the divine teacher that's greater than Moses that God's people have been waiting for. He connects all of that. And then in Matthew chapter 4, you have the temptation of Jesus where Jesus wrestles with his identity and his calling and the devil tries to derail everything that God's doing. And then in chapter 5, uh, well, chapter 4, it says he begins his ministry, and then chapter 5, we have, we have the Sermon on the Mount. And what basically Jesus is doing, I believe, in John, excuse me, Matthew chapter 4 through chapter 7, is that he's, he's announcing the fact that the, the kingdom of God has arrived in a new way through him. That he, in a sense, is the new embodiment of God's presence in the world. But not only him, all those that he calls to himself by grace and that respond in faith. And so he's, he's establishing the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is basically this. It's, it's the fulfillment of God's rescue and restoration plan for the world. Kind of simple summary. And what Jesus talks about and what he says the kingdom of God is about is it's about confronting and defeating spiritual evil. The demonic oppression, the disease, the death, everything that comes along with the, the trickery and the deceit of, of Satan. He also basically paints this picture that the kingdom of God is about the restoration of God's reign in the world. Again, reestablishing God's reign over this world. And then he says, and all of this is going to happen through uh, the creation of, of a new family. A, a people that are called to follow him, that obey his teachings, and that live under his rule. In summary, this, this is what I would say that the kingdom of God is. But in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus, again, is not just announcing the arrival of the kingdom of God. What he's also announcing or doing is instructing and showing us really clearly how to live into the kingdom of God. You track with me? Not just the announcement of it, hey, it's here, 
but also really clearly, if you want to be a part of this kingdom that I'm announcing, here's how you can live into it. Here's what it looks like. It's this upside-down kingdom, and I'm going to tell you and show you what it's all about. And so he starts with um, the Beatitudes, and he talks to us about this new identity of being salt and light, and he talks about the fulfillment of the law and his fulfillment of it, and no longer our need to strive to do it. And he talks about these different areas and aspects of our internal lives, from anger to lust to keeping oaths to retaliating to marriage and divorce to love, loving your enemies, right? He goes on to, again, paint this picture of this, this whole upside-down kingdom. There, there's no privileged members in the kingdom of God, but all are welcome to follow him in repentance and faith. It's a gift of grace, and the invitation is for all. He tells us, again, that he, he is the fulfillment of the Old Testament promise, and it's the manifestation of his life and his teachings that are going to continue to fulfill that, and we get to live in the blessing of, of, of that, the grace of that. And all throughout it, he's showing us this picture that, again, it's about the transformation of the human heart so that people can actually, once again, fully love God, fully love their neighbor, and even, believe it or not, love their enemies. It's this picture of radical transformation of the human heart after encountering the love of God. And as he goes through here, then in chapter 6, he starts to talk about giving to the needy. So after he talks about the transformation of your heart, then he talks about the things we, we should do or kingdom citizens will do and, and would desire to do after their, their hearts are transformed. He talks about giving to the needy. He talks about living in the Lord's Prayer. He talks about fasting, storing up treasures in heaven. And, and towards the end of chapter 6, and as he's nearing the closing of uh, the Sermon on the Mount, he begins to talk about anxiety and, and what are we worried about or what are we seeking? What are we going after? What, what are we really, really, yeah, like seeking after with our lives? And there's this statement that caught me, and this is, this is where I want to land a little bit this morning. Matthew 6.33 might be very familiar to you. Jesus says this after talking about the fact that God is a really, really good father who knows our needs, who knows our hearts, who knows our desires, who knows what's going on in this world who sent his son into the world to transform our hearts and our lives and invite us into a new family and into life together within the kingdom. He says this, he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And over the last two weeks, I couldn't get away from, from this verse. I couldn't get away from a drawing back to this verse in the sense that God's heart is wanting to invite us into this kind of as a focus for us this fall and maybe even launching into starting our new, our new ministry year together. Because if we are going to be a body of Christ that actually embodies the reality of the presence of God in the world no matter where he calls us, then we need to be a people who are doing this. We need to be a people who are living in response to the grace of God in a way that we are seeking first and foremost the kingdom of God, the reality of this, this kingdom life that Jesus came to create and invite us into above all else and to allow the other things to fall in place where they may. And as I've kind of sat about this and thought about it, I realized, you know what? God, actually the journey of actually landing in this place that we get to call home kind of has been that. I can tell you very honestly that the leadership team and I, from the very first time that we heard and we thought God was saying, I want you to begin to pray about finding a space. We really did. We just said, okay, God, we're going to seek your heart in this then. Because at the very first time when, when we felt like God was calling us to do it, we looked at our budget and we were like, ah, there's no way. <laughs> we looked around at different aspects and different things, the cost of properties and all the stuff in the area, and we were like, ah, there's no way. 
And I'd be lying to you if I didn't say some worry crept in or some fear crept in or some wanting to manage and pull levers crept in. You know me, it, it, that, that stuff crept in. And yet I felt like the whole way God was saying, but if you just seek my heart on this, if you really believe that I'm calling you to this, if you seek my heart on this, then guess what? Seek first my kingdom, seek first my heart, and all those other things, they'll happen. Those will be added to you in, in the proper timing according to my grace and my goodness. But you need to promise me you'll seek my heart. And so as I just kind of thought about that journey, again, us landing here and getting to celebrate the very first fall launch and the place that God has given us to steward, I kind of went, oh, okay, I'm not surprised then, Lord, that you'd be calling us to that same thing. So I think one of the things that I've been hearing, just not only talking to people within our community, but just in general, is like there's this place in this point right now where in the pandemic and everything, it's starting to open up a little bit, right? This summer, people felt more free to travel and get out and do things. And we're at this place, right, where it's a little more free. Would that, that be true? Yeah, you yeah, sense that a little bit? And I think as we do that, there's a lot of conversations that I'm hearing and people going, okay, I can begin to start planning for this now again and this and that. And it's like all these other things that we might be wanting to seek after and feel like we have the freedom to go after and do again. Like things are getting back to normal. And we go, and I, and I, think, I think partly the reason why God might be calling us is go, go hold on, hold on, hold on. Because in the last couple of years, there's been a way in which we haven't felt the freedom to run after some of those things. And I think it's actually been really healthy and good. It's caused us to put the brakes on a few things, to evaluate some things and to go, okay, what's really important? What are we seeking after? What am I aiming after? What should be my goal to go after? And I think what we've realized a little bit is that some of the other stuff that we thought was so important and so necessary actually isn't that important and necessary at all. We were deprived of or didn't have a whole lot of things, and we had to think about and figure out what's absolutely necessary to survive and even thrive and seek health in the midst of the craziness of the last three years. And I believe as we're entering in again to a place of a little more openness and the ability to run after some things again, God is saying, hold on a little bit. In this new season, in this new phase, would you seek first with this new freedom you have, with this new openness you feel, with these new tools and resources that I'm entrusting to you, would you seek first, though, after my kingdom, my heart, my righteousness, and all those other things, I promise they'll be added to you in my timing and according to my goodness and my grace. You know, the, the transformation of a building, which I shared about last week, and you guys have seen it slowly, it, it's amazing, right? I mean, it, it's stunning. Absolutely stunning. I think I told you guys, my, my neighbor... Um, who I've invited a couple times and have come, someone who's a person of peace, and I feel like God is instructing me to show up as a missional presence in his life and their family's life. Um, he, this summer, a couple times, he's driven by, and he, he'd come and tell me, dude, they're doing this at your place. I'm like, okay, cool, like, but don't tell me because I'm supposed to be like unplugged, whatever, you know. But he's just like, here he is, like not a Christ follower, but someone who's been invited to, like, into the di this different aspects of my life and this project a little bit, and he's like, dude, you should see what's going on at the building. I'm like, oh, it's amazing. And I'm like, cool, awesome. But he's stunned by it. He's attracted, he's drawn to the transformation that's happening here in this physical space. It's pretty cool. You guys know what's even more stunning than the transformation of a building? It's the transformation of a human life. You know what I mean? Like, I think we're, we're created and drawn to beauty. And I think that's why, oh my gosh, the, you know, there's nothing more beautiful than the transformation of a human heart and a human life. And I know I'm supposed to say that as a pastor, but no, I mean, like, honestly, seriously. Like the transformation of a, of a human life, like the, the work that God does as creator and redeemer and just the transform of a human heart and life is just, it's stunning. And I think one of the things that God wants to remind us as he's calling us 
to seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness is for each of us in here and for us as a body to remember, he's not done with us yet. There's more transformation that God desires to do in your heart and in my heart and in our collective community together. And I know, again, we're going to be enamored by the beauty and the transformation of this, but you guys, there's, there's a beautiful and transforming work that God wants to do in us, I believe, in this ministry season together as we seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and trust the other things to his grace and his goodness. And I'm excited. I'm excited, you guys, to see the way God's going to continue to transform my heart, my life, my wife, my kids, as I seek first his kingdom. I'm excited to see the way he's going to continue to transform your lives, your hearts, your families, your neighborhoods, your workplaces, because we seek him together. The beauty that God wants to reveal through us and in us together if we seek him. I want to talk about three practical ways that, that I want us to seek the Lord together, seek first his kingdom so that we can be the embodiment of, of God's presence in the world together uh, in this season ahead. Three things that I want us to, to talk about um, in terms of seeking first his kingdom, his righteousness. First one would be this. I want to invite you, Missio, this fall, to seek to live in relationship with Jesus. Nice. I can get some background music. That makes it sound more powerful, more epic. Seek for him. Um, again, nothing new, right? Nothing new. But again, I think what I want us to consider, and I shared a little bit about this last, last week, as I enter back in, I turned 42 this summer, and so what I've been doing just this summer at some point is looking, going, okay, like 50 is that next milestone for me, and going, who do I want to be at 50? Who do I want to be at 50? And so I've had to begin to think about what's the process that it's going to take for me to be transformed? What's the process it's going to take for me to be, be to become who I believe I want to be at 50, who I believe God's calling me to be at 50? Not... What work do I want to be doing? What role do I want to be in? Although that's important. And I, I think I'll still be here, Lord willing. Not how much money do I want to have in my retirement and all of that. Although, again, that there's wisdom in, you know, working towards that and saving and doing all that stuff. Not like, you know, all these other things that we often think about that Jesus addresses in this, in this uh, chapter 6 when he's talking about worry and all these different things. But I just feel like God is saying, would you seek my heart even to like a new level and a new depth in, in relationship with me? And I think for us as a community, what I want to call us to is really like a, a deeper, like a depth of, of personal devotion life, meaning a more holistic knowing of, of, of Jesus. One of the things, and I've, I've a lot of, spent a lot of time of just reading and engaging in, and just the reality of people just acknowledging the fact that over the last 200 years, uh, Western evangelical Christianity has really been built upon this model of like knowledge-based reductionism. Meaning if we have just certain truths and we know these certain things in our heads, then we're, we're good Christians, we're good people, we're gonna be all right, and we're gonna be able to change the world. And if we look at where we've actually landed and all a lot of the issues that have surfaced over the last few years, what we can see is that our Western knowledge-based reductionist Christianity hasn't really produced the kingdom of God. I'm not saying it's all bad, okay? But all the fruit is not that good either. And we have a lot of people actually that are walking around with a lot of knowledge and a label of, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus or I'm a Christian. And the world is going, thank you so much, but there's the door. You can take that knowledge and all the judgment that comes with it because you think you know more than us. And you can take all of that and you can, you can, we'll see you out the door. 
I read this uh, stat. I wish I had really copied it down and put it up for you, but I read this stat by, stat by Pew Research and Barna Research. They're both doing these things, and they're talking about the fact that we've been crying about and whining about the decline of the church in the U.S. for the last number of years, and they're saying it's actually projected just to continue and to, to decline. The only way that we pull out of that, or the only way that we can change that narrative, the only way I think that we can be the embodiment of the loving presence of God within the world wherever he's called us, is to acknowledge and go, what we've done in the last 200 years of this knowledge-based reductionist Christianity has not been productive. So what's the shift? And I see a lot of people shaking. Thank you. Good. Yeah, we're on the same page. What, what does that mean? It means we've got to find a more holistic way of following Jesus. It means we've got to engage not just our heads, and I know this knowledge, and I know these scriptures, and I've read that book, and I've heard you talk about the Sermon on the Mount, so I'm going to check out now. No, but to go, okay, what does that actually mean? How do I engage that knowledge of my head actually with my heart, with my emotions, with the reality of my world? Some of the stuff I was talking about last week that I shared from my experience of the summer was having to acknowledge and go, these are the parts that are broken, and yet in the midst of that, I'm totally beloved by God, and it's an encounter with that truth that I have to sit with and wrestle with and contemplate and engage and have a truth encounter that leads to an internal transformation. A lot of the, over the last year, a lot of the, like two years even, a lot of the spiritual formation cohorts and things that we've had have been trying to lead and guide us towards that more, more holistic, even a more contemplative way of engaging with the Lord. Not just saying, I read this, I got this knowledge, great, but how do I actually honestly wrestle with it? How do I actually sit in the presence of the Lord, sit in His grace, and allow Holy Spirit to speak and talk and call out and refine and call me up into the love of God? Jesus in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, and He said, So He said to these Jews who had believed Him, If you continue in My word, you are truly My disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the word is important, and truth is important. But what Jesus says here is then you will know the truth. And again, I've said this a lot of times over the years because I think it's so important. The word know or the word knowledge in Scripture is not knowing in head knowledge. It's an experiential knowing. This Greek word is a knowing meaning I've wrestled with it and I know it in my bones. Like I know it in my heart. I know it not just in my head so I can recite it to someone and then go on and live and do something totally different. But no, this is a knowing of having wrestled with it. It's like when Jacob knew God, right? And he wrestled with them. It's when the old prophets, they knew God. It's because they wrestled with them. They, they had these encounters that were, that were holistic, that engaged all of who they were in the reality of the love and the presence of God in their life. Not just, I got this, okay, good, and I'm moving on to do my own thing. And Jesus said, when you know the truth, that yes, comes from my word and spirit revealing it, when you know this, then you will be set free. The greatest truth that God's word speaks of. And the greatest truth that Jesus came to embody, I believe, is that God is love and that he loves you just as you are. And I think, church, we need to learn how to wrestle with that truth more and more honestly. You are loved just as you are. But I think we need to have a truth encounter with that that actually leads to transformation, not head knowledge, I'm loved by God, great, super. No. So I, I've told our staff team, and I, I'm, I'm committed to it, I, I want to help us be a community this, this fall and, and moving forward that, that really understands what does it mean that you are loved just as you are? And to encounter the reality of a God that loves you in your current state, in your current condition.
I'm grateful for uh, one of the books that I, I read over the years, and I think I handed them out last year at some point. Uh, Dane Ortland wrote this book called Gentle and Lowly. And he said, there's no minimum bar you need to get over to get to him, talking about Jesus. All you have to do is collapse to get into the heart of Christ. There's no minimum bar you need to get into or get over to get to Jesus. All you have to do is collapse to get into the heart of Christ. Because Jesus is the most welcoming, the most humble, the most accessible person in the universe. And his invitation is, would you, just, would you melt into my love? Would you surrender to my love? Would you allow yourself to admit and to acknowledge where you're at in your brokenness, in your worries, in your fears, and all of it? And, and don't feel like you've got to try to correct those or fix those before you come to me, but would you just, would you just collapse into my presence, into the reality that I love you, and I want to embrace you just as you are? Missy, I want us to seek relationship with Jesus like this. Eugene Peterson, in his book called The Jesus Way, he said this, he said, we stop, whether by choice or through circumstance, so that we can be alert and attentive and receptive to what God is doing in and for us, in and for others on the way. We wait for our souls to catch up with our bodies. Again, I think this, this last couple years have caused us to slow down in certain ways. And I think God would be calling us to continue to, again, not just rush out the gate, but continue to, to slow down a little bit, to be a little more contemplative in our engagement with him and allow our souls to actually speak and let us know where we actually are and allow our bodies to catch up with our souls, our souls to catch up with bodies and, and all of who we are holistically to be caught by the love of God. I want to invite you, Missy, to seek relationship with Jesus with me this fall, this year ahead to surrender to his love. Second thing, I want to invite us to seek life in community. Uh, one of the things that, uh, again, that this new opening, new freedom, new all of this, um, we were talking about as a staff team, like the idea of a coming home vision campaign, I think is even more appropriate now at the end of this, these three years than it was at the beginning. In the beginning, we thought the coming home vision was us coming home to a place. Now it's like coming home and coming back as we return some of you, you know, it's your first time or maybe your second time or just you're just beginning to jump off of Zoom and come back into the space. You're just beginning to feel the freedom to come and step back into somebody's home for a missional community or backyard or whatever it is. And it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's powerful. And I want us to seek to live in community again. This last summer, this last summer, this summer, uh, we, we were in Alaska and we're driving through Anchorage um, and we drove by this, like, it was like this healing center or something, but they had this, this sign, a letterboard similar like ours out there, and the sign said, when I becomes we, then illness becomes wellness. When I becomes we, then illness becomes wellness. It gripped me. Like, it grabbed me. I was like, whoa. And again, I'm on sabbatical, so I'm not supposed to be thinking about you guys, whatever. But as I thought about it over a day or two, I was just kind of like, Lord, is that for me or is that like us? And it stuck in my heart just in this way that it was like, no, it's, it's for the community. I mean, there's definitely ways where it was for me and thinking about, yeah, not just I, but we, meaning my wife and I, and not just I, but my wife and my kids and my family and, and the, the health I desire for us. But it, it just stuck in like kind of in my craw, like for us. That when I becomes we, then illness becomes wellness. And I thought, man, powerful. Like that's kingdom of God type powerful truth stuff. 
I want us, you guys, to think about a few things. Uh, again, I, I sat down with our staff team uh, this week, and I said, here's, here's kind of four things that I want to really call us to. One, it's to love, it's to welcome, it's to serve, it's to develop. I want us to love our people the way that God has loved us, and that's, that's in process, that's as we are. I want us to be people that love each other like that. And as I thought about it, we, we need as a community to be like that. To step into community and not just think about I, but to think about we, so that all of us in our different brokenness and our illnesses can take greater steps of wholeness and wellness in Christ. It's going to start if, if we learn to love each other just as we are, as we are in process. To extend the grace to one another that we receive from Jesus. And to welcome each other, to be a community that, that welcomes, to continue to be that. Welcome each other to step in as we are in process and to serve one another, even in the midst of the brokenness and all of the different pieces. And the developers maybe more for the staff team thinking about how are we developing our people? How are we discipling our people? But even for, for each of us to think and go, okay, in, in community, when I step in, yeah, it's not about what I can take and receive, but what can I bring to this table so that all of us together can experience growth in that process together? Each of you brings something beautiful and important and valuable to this community, this body of Christ. And we are not the body of Christ that God has called us to be without each one of you. The body of Christ is an interdependent community of people. Scripture calls it a body. Scripture uses that analogy and speaks to and talks about, yeah, you, you can't cut off one part and still think you're whole. You can't look at one part and say, we don't need that part. You can't look at one part and say, oh, I'm just going to consider you, even though your hand, to be just like, no, 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 like that doesn't work. There's differences, there's uniquenesses, and it's beautiful. It's ordained and designed by God that way, that together, holistically, we come together and we get to represent the reality of the presence of God in the world together. But it means we've got to take our look at one another and go, okay, I'm going to lean into this. And as we do that, here's the thing. <clears throat> we've got to expect that there's going to be some conflict in that. <laughs> We got to expect that there's going to be some hardship in that. And I just want to, I want to call that out up front. I don't think that, you know, di different seasons can bring about different types of conflict and different tensions. And I don't think conflict is necessarily a bad thing. I think conflict actually can be a very powerful catalyst for us to have truth encounters with the love of God. To realize and recognize where we are What's going on inside of me internally? Why is that happening? Where does God's love and grace accept me and speak to me where I am? And how do I then enter into that with other people? I think conflict can actually be an incredible opportunity for growth together, for learning to receive grace and extend grace to one another, to actually step into more authentic community with one another. If we step in and lean in and embrace and understand conflict as an opportunity to love and to serve, and to welcome one another as we are. And together, see us be developed in the grace of God as we engage that. Now would be a really good time for that sweet guitar music in the background, whatever you guys are playing. Just lighten things a little bit. I think the other thing, the reality is that community doesn't happen overnight. I forget where it was, but I think Vicky was sharing me with us. Uh, the podcast she was listening to or something, but the, the gal was saying the expectation for friendship or life in community should be tempered by your willingness to make an investment. Expectation for friendship or life in community should be tempered by your willingness to make an investment. Here's the reality. To live in community is costly, right? 
it's costly. It, it's not easy. It's not overnight. It's not microwave. It's not all these things. That it's not just, again, culture would try to say, man, if you, all these things, it's easy. If you do this, if you have these commonalities, you do, no, 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 no. Like that's Instagram fake life. That's not real life stuff. There's a cost to, to true community. But I promise you this. If we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and we seek to do community the way that he has defined it, the return on that investment will be worth it. The costs that we incur to live in community the way God has called us to, the return on the investment will be worth it. It will be, because that's what he said. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and what? All these other things will be added to you. So I want to invite us to live in community together and, and to count the cost of that, honestly. And to think about as we head into this fall and in some ways of reopening and reengaging and launching missional communities and all those things going, what, what is that going to mean for me? Where, where is God calling me specifically to, to respond to this invitation to seek life in authentic kingdom community? And what's that going to cost me? What's it going to mean? There's an invitation to growth that happens. See, I, I think that in, in seeking life in relationship with Jesus, there's transformation that happens internally when we have those truth encounters, when God reminds us of the depth of his love in a real, very real way. And that's the transformational part of life that scripture speaks of. But the spiritual formation always happens in, in community. I have these truth encounters in my personal relationship with the Lord and he speaks something in my soul and I go, oh, okay. And now guess what? Now I've got to go live and walk that out, Right? in relationship with my wife and my kids and all my friends and my community. And that's where the spiritual formation, that's where I'm spiritually formed as I live that out in a relationship with other people. And so we got to be able to talk about that. We continue to be into those. Uh, a couple ways I want us to, to consider that. Um, after gathering today, we're going to be down in the, in the basement in um, Community Hall, and we're going to have a lunch together. There's also going to be a couple of tables we're not doing spiritual formation cohorts this summer or this fall because we're intentionally saying we don't want that to compete with people's ability to enter into missional communities, to enter into spaces of community created there. And so there's an opportunity for you to sign up to, to engage with the missional community. There's also going to be opportunities to sign up to serve. There's two things I want to highlight for us uh, as we talk about this fall and launching. That beautiful lobby out there that will be finished, I'm hearing, in the next week, week and a half. We're going to have a nice little coffee bar and the brand new bathrooms. Technically, the bathrooms are usable today. The plumbing is there. The electrical is there. But there's no locks on the doors. So choose your own adventure. Use it at your own risk. But next week or the week after, it's going to be fully functional. It's going to be all good. You're going to be able to lock that baby and enjoy your time. But here's the thing. That coffee bar, you guys, that's longing to have some coffee and some tea and some engagement around it. Do you know what I'm saying? I want us, we're, we're known, I love, I, again, I've been listening back to the summer sermons, and Annie Bancheo stood up here, and she said, from the, from the, from the uh, na not national office, from the regional office, and she said, you guys are known as a community that, like, loves and welcomes and accepts people. And, and, and I'm, I'm, like, I was just so blessed when I heard her say that. But I, I want us to focus on, on two things this fall. I, I want us to be known, yeah, for our, our hospitality as people walk in that door. So in order to do that, we actually need to re-up kind of on a, on a greeter team and on a hospitality team. People that would help transform and make the space welcoming, not just because they walk in and go, oh, new carpet, new paint, it's gorgeous. No, but that there'd be people there that love them and see them and welcome them as they are to step in here to encounter the love of Jesus. So I, I want us to, to focus on that. Be a, be a community of welcome. 
a community of hospitality. So you're going to have an opportunity, if that resonates with you, to sign up, to say, oh, I want to join the greeter team, I want to join the hospitality team, I want to help this make a place of, of welcome and hospitality. The second place that we need to really do some focus and serving on is with our next generation, okay? Missio Youth, uh, there's a transition there, and we've got still great leaders in Cole and Jenica, but they're needing some volunteers that will partner with them to, to pour in and invest into the, the junior high and high school kids. And then also with, with Missio Kids, and I'll talk to this, about this more in kind of the, the 10 minutes I get later. Um, Dan's son is committed to be with us through the end of September. He's praying and processing about maybe another interim thing. We've got one other guy that, that has applied, and so we're evaluating. But basically, we're, we need to lean in as a family to love and disciple our kids. And so we, we need people that will be willing to say, yep, once a month, I, I can jump in there, and I can go over there, and I can sit, and I can, I can be the embodiment of the reality of the presence of God in the world to a bunch of kids. You tracking with me? I want to highlight that for us. Being a community this fall that focuses on hospitality and welcoming, and then serving, in particular, our next generation. Because when I looked at those stats, you know why they're saying that the trend of church, uh, like, life and Christianity in, in the world, you know why it's decreasing and declining? It's because it's the younger generation that is looking at a lot of the older generation and going, yeah, you guys might have head knowledge, but you're not living out anything. And so you talk about all this stuff, but you're forming and creating all this stuff in the world. And guess what? I don't want anything to do with that. And here's the thing, you guys. We're not too young. We're, we're not too old. What am, we're, we're not, we're not, it's not too late to make the change or the transition for our kids. You know, you tracking with me? Seriously. I think one of the things I had to look at this summer again was my own heart and what is being produced and lived in my house and in my family in the eyes of my seven-year-old and my four-year-old. I had to look at God, God calling me on a couple of my own attitudes and actions and my embodiment of the presence of God within my own home and God and get called out on that and go, oh, you're right, Lord. You are gentle and kind in some very clear ways that I am not. You are gracious and compassionate and slow to anger in some very clear ways that I am not. What is the picture that my four-year-old and my seven-year-old are receiving about who God is because of me and the way that I comport myself in my home? Not just that they see me sit in the morning on the couch and read my Bible and they take some notes in my journal and have some knowledge and some good notes on a page, but actually living that out, being the embodiment of the presence of God in the world where he has called me as I interact with my four-year-old and my seven-year-old. So we need to do that together, focusing on the reality of who and what God has entrusted to us, this whole family of a whole bunch of kids that just keep coming and just keep getting older. But how do we love and serve them, welcome them into the family of God? Can we get on board with that? Okay, fine, i got to wrap up. Kelly's giving me like the hey. The third thing, I want us to seek to live with missional presence. Seek to live with missional presence. And I kind of just hit on that. Wherever, wherever God has placed you. Start, starting with your home. What, is it, what does it look like? to My, my four-year-old and my seven-year-old, I, do, I, I don't believe that they were born saved. There's nothing in Scripture that tells me they were born saved, right? So I have to live in a missional posture and presence towards them. Partnering with God so that His grace can be revealed to them. I want you to think about that, being, living with a missional, necessary presence in your own home to your kids, and a missional, necessary presence within your neighborhood, a missional, necessary presence within your workplace, 
And here's what I want us to remind us of something. No one can reach everyone, but everyone can reach someone. Again, I think the old church model of like, if you build it, they will come. So, okay, we've got this building now, and if we just get our friends to come in here, and Dominic will say something, or Vicky will say something, or Joel, or Kelly, whoever's speaking today will say something. It's going to change this person's life. No, 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 like, I can't reach everyone. No one can reach everyone. But guess what? Every single one of you who's been called into the family of God, you can reach someone. We're going to do it differently with different styles based upon personality and wiring and all that. But Holy Spirit lives within you. And you know what? Holy Spirit is, is the empowerment for mission. God is a God on mission. The Jesus that lives in you, that saved you through his mission to this world, is still wanting to live out that mission through your life. And you have the ability to be the embodiment of the presence of God for someone in your, in your life, in your spheres of influence. And I want to encourage you to be thinking about that. Where is God calling you this fall to be a missional presence? Who is God calling you specifically to love, to welcome, to serve, so that they might get to take one step closer to Jesus? I want us to seek to be a missional presence together. I honestly believe, although like that, again, the stats and all that are declining and the reality of church and all that, I believe this world is longing for Jesus Christ. I honestly believe that. This world is longing for Jesus Christ. Conversations I have with my friends, conversations I have with my neighbors, conversations, the reality of what I know of my own heart. We were created to long for our creator. And so who is God calling you to love, to welcome, and to serve in order that they might come to see Jesus this fall. I want to um, just leave you with the, the same kind of broad statement that I started with, that, uh, you know, Missy, I think this fall, God is calling us to lend into this reality, that the body of Christ, we together and individually, we exist to be the embodiment of God's presence in the world. And I believe that if, if we seek his heart, and seek the realities of his kingdom. All the other stuff that we kind of worry about, that we fuss about, it's all going to get worked out. And what we're going to end up doing is we're going to end up being more alive and more free. We're going to see the fruit of the reality of the kingdom of God in our lives, in our community, and other people are going to be drawn and attracted to that. It's going to be pretty powerful. It's going to be beautiful. So I just want to pray to that end, and Kelly's going to lead us out to worship. And so God... Thank you, yeah, for your loving kindness. God, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that, yeah, we get to sit here and launch into a new season, a new ministry year together in this home that, that you've entrusted to us. We own it. It's ours. Ultimately, it's yours, though, and so we steward it for your glory. And so, God, I pray that you would come and inhabit this place, come and inhabit our praises, come and inhabit every area and every aspect of this property. God, would you fill it with your presence? And God, it's, it's real, the invitation you give us to be the embodiment of that presence wherever we are. That you, you, are, you are working, you are moving, that, that your spirit is roaming to and fro throughout this world, I believe, to see if and there are any hearts of, of men and women that, that, that long for you, that seek you. That you're pursuing, that's who you are, you're a pursuing God. You love and you pursue your creation. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would continue to pursue each of us and make us aware of that. Make us aware of that and call us into greater depth of personal relationship with you. 
Would you meet us in this season, God, into the depths of our, our longings, the depths of our desires, the depths of our hurt and our pain? Would you come, Lord Jesus, and speak your words of truth, speak your words of life, speak your words of healing, speak your words of hope? God, would you, would you ground us in our identity as your beloved kids? Remind us of, of who you've called and created us to be in Christ before the foundation of the world. Grant us, God, a hunger and a faith to seek after and desire you. And Lord, would you unite this community together in, in love? Bind us together, God, in such a way that nothing that the enemy would try to do could, could tear apart. God, would we give no foothold to the enemy in any way, shape, or form? Would we choose to love? Would we choose to forgive? Would we keep short accounts, God? Would we acknowledge we're in process and we're all in process here and so the love that I've received, I ought to, I can't but help extend to my brothers and sisters here to love and to welcome one another into the grace and the goodness that is you, Jesus. And God, as we're transformed through personal encounter with you and as we're transformed and spiritually formed and living out life in community, God, Would other people be drawn to you? Would there be people that are brought from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? Would we begin to see friends and coworkers and neighbors living in light of their belovedness in Christ? Oh, God, would you show us the miracle of, of, of salvation, the miracle of a new life? being transformed by your goodness and your love. God, we love you. We're grateful for what you're doing, and we love what you're doing, and we ask you to continue to do more of it. And again, give us the ability to respond in faith, to seek you, your heart, your kingdom, in order that you would be honored and glorified in and through us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.